0: Don't forget that you can go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org if you want the written version that has the links to all of these great stories we're about to discuss. Let's go to our first one, LGBT athletes at the Olympics. Gay City News reported that there are 35 out LGBT athletes who have participated in this year's Winter Olympics, which is more than double the number of LGBT participants when the competition last took place four years ago. Female-identified athletes make up the majority of that number, although LGBT men uh, almost tripled their numbers from 4 in 2018 to 11 this year. Meanwhile, Timothy LeDuc, a U.S. pair skater, is the only non-binary athlete at the Games. The historic LGBT representation at the Winter Games comes at a time in which several U.S. states have moved to ban transgender students' athletes from participating in school-sponsored sports. And now our next story, new report on LGBT youth equity. The National Academies Press published a report on reducing inequities among LGBT youth, based on a workshop convened last year by the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine. The proceedings covered challenges and opportunities across various sectors, such as child welfare, education, health systems, families, and communities. It also included a focus on equity among uh, LGBT students, of whom Black and Latinx students tend to face the greatest disparities across a lot of different areas. It's really uh, exciting and interesting that our um, YouthLink program was able to participate in these deliberations. If you search for our YouthLink program or go to our website, you can learn a lot more about the work that they're doing, which addresses a lot of these uh, inequities that the report discusses. And now our next story in Florida, school's not out. On the subject of LGBT youth, CBS News reported that a bill is progressing in the Florida legislature that would ban discussion of sexual orientation and gender identity in elementary and middle school classrooms, as well as uh, through support services. So, for example, uh, guidance counselors, nurses, um, I believe those are the type of professions that are covered um, by that bill as well. Proponents of the bill say it would improve quote unquote parents' rights, while opponents of the bill say it would contribute to stigma and harassment facing LGBT students. Research has found that LGBT students in Florida face high levels of bullying, but that most have at least one supportive adult in their school. That's a really important protective factor against a lot of the um, disparities that we see in LGBT health. Now, these are the types of relationships, you know, between a supportive adult like a teacher, guidance counselor, other staff person, and the student that could be threatened by this bill if it becomes a law. It still has a ways to go to make its way through the Florida Senate, but the state's governor says that he would sign it if it arrives at his desk. Our next story looks at environmental justice in queer communities. The American Journal of Public Health published a study exploring how the topic of environmental justice applies to LGBT communities, which face factors such as discrimination and socioeconomic inequities that are connected to elevated risk of negative environmental exposures. LGBT people tend to have higher levels uh, and or worse outcomes with conditions such as cardiovascular disease and cancer. And part of this can be attributed to environmental issues, even though I think, you know, personally at least I'm always thinking about the personal things. What could I do to avoid this or to get screened for this? But really so much of this comes down to the environment that we live in, and that's why we see disparities with any pretty much population um, that faces marginalization, such as people of color. Additionally, because LGBT people have underlying health inequities and unmet needs within the healthcare system, even if they're experiencing the same environmental uh, health issues, they're going to have a harder time getting care for that. So a lot of issues um, explored in this article, really interesting because it's a subject that's been getting a lot of attention recently, but I don't think is one of the first things we think about when we think LGBT health. Next up. Want who and what? Think where, why, and how. LGBT Health published a study exploring how LGBT people feel about being asked their sexual orientation and gender identity by researchers, which of course is a really important topic if we want researchers to ask these questions, which we do, so that we can learn more about LGBT health. The study found that the most important factors for LGBT people to feel comfortable sharing this information was first, knowing why the questions were being asked, including for example, to identify and address disparities as I just mentioned, and B, feeling safe and supported in the environment in which they are being asked the questions. Research suggests that communicating more about the questions as well as offering environmental clues that it's a safe space could improve the quality of data that we have because it'll make more people comfortable um, coming out and answering these questions that could also make you know, people who are potentially gonna be asking the questions feel more comfortable asking because often that's where this type of research uh, comes to a halt is the people who are designing the studies, you know, feel like they don't have the information to know whether or not this is gonna work, whether people are gonna feel comfortable. Research time and time again shows that LGBT people are comfortable answering these questions and so are straight and cis people. But I think this is really good because it looks at some of the specifics that, that researchers can use to make sure that people are comfortable answering these questions. And finally, for this week, gay and bi men face prostate cancer gaps. DocWire News reported that many medical providers who screen for and test um, and treat prostate cancer are not prepared to best serve gay and bisexual patients. The physical health problems that accompany a prostate cancer diagnosis and treatment, and importantly, the mental and emotional health consequences that come with them are similar but distinct for gay and bisexual patients. Additionally, data and research is lacking. Again, coming back to the uh, topic we just discussed. The article also highlights a first-of-its-kind urology program at Northwestern Medicine in Chicago that specifically serves sexual minority men and is exploring solutions to improve care, which I think is a great, positive note to end our our weekly update on. Well, thanks as always for tuning into our LGBT Wellness Roundup. Again, remember that you can go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org if you want to read any of these stories for yourself, and I hope you'll tune in next week for another edition.